Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, inventor of my pillow, here to tell you about my Giza Dream bed sheets. I made sure that they would be everything you'd ever want in a sheet set. I started with the world's finest cotton called Giza. It's only grown in a region where the Sahara Desert, the Nile River, and the Mediterranean Sea all meet. The long staple cotton makes my Giza Dream sheets ultra soft and durable. They come with extra wide pillowcases to fit over any pillow and extra deep pockets to fit over any mattress. Not only that, they come with my 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And now you can get the best sheets ever for the best price ever. When you buy one of my Giza Dream bed sheet sets, you'll get another one absolutely free. I personally guarantee that they'll be the most comfortable sheets you'll ever own. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener Specials for the buy one, get one free offer on Giza Sheets. All you got to do, Renegade Nation, is enter the promo code RENEGADE or call 1-800-889-6817 for these great specials. That's 1-800-889-6817. Use the promo code RENEGADE. Please be aware, the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be considered disturbing, frightening, and in some cases, even offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I am your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the things that go bump in the night. Monsters lurking under your bed or deep in that forest. Unknown creatures lurking just out of sight. Frighteningly imagined creatures, ghosts, supernatural beings, and even some unsolved mysteries for fun. Grab your favorite drink and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, well, I got a really interesting email that, well, sent me on a chase for some pretty amazing video proof. And thus, today's episode was born. So, with that said, we will still be playing our drinking game. And as you know, the drinking game is only for those of us that are at home and, well, have nowhere else to go tonight. The choice of libation, as always, is yours, my darlings. So choose your poison accordingly. All right, now for the game part. How about every time I say demon or creature? That's going to be a single shot. And every time I say ghost... That's going to be a double shot. All right, the business end is out of the way, and we can jump headfirst into today's Dark Enigma. And today's show is dedicated to our wonderful listeners in beautiful Indonesia, where one of you bravely asked me to do a show on some of the wondrous tales that you guys have in Indonesia. Well, as you know, I live to serve, so I have five different stories today. Don't panic, they're all little short ones. But today, we're going to dive into five of the most terrifying creatures from Indonesian lore. Thank you, thank you. Supernatural beings, 
mostly ghosts and spirits, are a commonly discussed topic in Asia with myths and stories revolving around them. And Indonesia is believed to be a country full of these supernatural beings. Whether it's a soul of a deceased person wandering in the human world seeking vengeance, or that of a creature doing evil, the fact that their existence has not yet or has ever been proven inevitably gives off a mysterious and unsettling vibe. In fact, are you alone? listening late at night all by yourself one might even be behind you right now i know you looked i made you look (laughs) anyone who has lived in beautiful indonesia has at least heard one ghost story there's never a shortage of stories from people who claim to have met these otherworldly creatures themselves and even are part of the fun in any camping trip and have been the subject of countless television series and movies. And because Indonesia has some of the richest ghost lore with some of the scariest creatures in the world, you can best believe they got some good TV shows over there, which, by the way, I've watched a few of them. Holy moly, they're good. So... Where does one go to make a better acquaintance with one of these creatures from the netherworld? There's a lot of places, but some of them, Jeruk Parut Cemetery in Jakarta is a great place to start. The resident ghost of this cemetery is a pastor who walks around carrying his own head and is followed by a black dog. Another good place is Pelabuhan Ratu, which is also located in Jakarta. The myth surrounding this place is related to the legend of the Queen of the South Seas, who jumped off the cliff and into the sea where her ghost still remains. If anyone wearing green swims into the sea, the Queen's ghost will pull them into the water. Mwahaha! In Semarang, there is Lawang Sewu, whose name translates into Thousand Doors, and aptly so because the building really does have a lot of doors. But here is where the bravest must go if they really want to test themselves. Built by the Dutch in the 19th century, the place was used as a prison by the Japanese during the war in the 1940s and has undoubtedly witnessed many gruesome things during that period. Expect an encounter with the many headless spirits who like to wander along the corridors or maybe get to know the young Dutch lady who chose to end her own life there. The building has recently been renovated in an attempt to brighten up its image and may soon be transformed into a commercial hub with retail shops, offices, food court, and fitness center. So, at least we know our ghosts will be getting in shape. These ghost stories may have their beginning as a way to deter people from doing undesirable things that are dangerous or socially frowned upon. However, these stories have outlived their original usefulness and are still as popular as ever. Some people see them as harmless fun, while others take them far more seriously and get involved in various practices to harness the power of the unseen to their own advantage. The world may change, but there are some things that are here to stay.
And today, we begin our trek with a creature called the Tayul. This demonic creature, widely known in the country, especially in Java, the Tayul appears as a, the figure of a child with a bald head, pointed ears, and pointed wolf-like teeth. It is believed that Tayul came from the fetus of a miscarriage or a stillborn child that was filled with evil spirits. Tayul has a child's characteristics and loves to play, even in the middle of the night. In Islam, Tayul is categorized in the Ifrit group of genies. It is believed Tayuls were first discovered by Azazil, the son of the devil, and an expert in research and experiments. Azazil created Tayul as an apprentice from the blood and flesh of an aborted fetus. These fetuses are then filled with genies and demons to lead humans into temptation. Most people are going to pick the boob. Just saying. Tayul is believed to live in statues of small babies and can be awoken using fresh human blood. To take. But above all, prayer and closeness to God are the best ways to protect the whole house and family. If you want to dance with the devil, however, there are capture the wild Tayul by using poniba sawa oil, opium, mung bean, crabs, and core of ara as bait, and cast a spell to tie it. Tayul can be found mostly in watery areas like rivers, swamps, or ponds. It's said the oil and opium should be burned to attract the Tayuls. Then dirty children would show up playing with the mung bean and crabs. The hunter would then cast a spell to bind them and bring them home in the branch of a fig tree or inside a bottle. Is that where we get genie in a bottle? Hmm, that's interesting. At home, the hunter will clean his catch and feed them with the blood of his wife. The agreement with a Tayul must be struck on a Friday night, on Kliwan Day, by the Javanese calendar. They prepare offerings like klobot cigarettes, which are made out of bamboo leaves, sour wudong, a drink made out of ginger, bitter coffee, sweet coffee, milk, and seven types of cakes or biscuits. A red candle should be lit to monitor the Tayul's movement and safety. If the flame moves from side to side, it means the Tayul is in danger. If the fire is still, though, the Tayul is safe. So what happens if you're not safe? I'm guessing the flame just explodes. Okay. You can hunt a Tayul yourself using the, the method we just spoke of. But if you're not a hunter, you need to use the skin of a bobak frog, normally found around waterfalls or in cool environments. You have to butcher the frog using a specific method and then dry the skin out to use while discarding the rest. The dried frog skin will then be used as the cover of a drum made with a coconut shell. The coconut drum should be beaten with a fig branch following a specific rhythm tied to the spell in a place where many Tayuls are built, believed to live. Then the Tayul can be adopted as a child or a friend. Lastly, you can befriend someone who owns a Tayul, and when they die, it can be passed on to you using a very specific ritual. The process is usually conducted before the previous owner dies. They would need to perform the handover themselves. 
You can recognize people who own a tayul by the way that they walk around, with their arms crossed or making a fist behind their back. It is thought that they hold onto the tayul while targeting their next house to rob. But, of course, ordinary people just cannot see them. Owners also have a special room to make offerings to their tayul. There's a lot of work in a tayul, so I'm just going to say, I don't want one. Anyways, another very famous ghost in Indonesia is called Suster Nigosat. Suster meaning nurse and Nigosat meaning crawling. She is known as Suster Nira in Samarang and Suster Gepeng in Surabaya. No one knows her real name though, but here is her story. Once upon a time, a beautiful female nurse was working the night shift in a very old hospital. The night was quiet, and as she walked to the laboratory, the doctor on duty sprung on her and raped her. He then mutilated her legs so she couldn't walk and had to crawl with her hands while dragging what was left of her legs behind her. She died that night and has haunted hospital corridors ever since. Most people agree that the hospital in question was Sipto Mangukusumu Public Hospital in Jakarta because that was the last place Sister was allegedly seen alive. But another story claims she was a Dutch nurse who was actually gang raped and as she fought back the injuries she got caused her feet to be amputated. Another myth claims Sister Nagasat first appeared at a nursing home in West Java. There was a half-Dutch, half-Indonesian nurse by the name of Nora who had a sixth sense that she used to kill the patients to avenge a past wrong done to her. People crushed her legs and thus she became Sister Nagasat. Most old hospitals from the Dutch colonial era have their own stories about Sister Nugasat. They say she wanders around hospital corridors or nearby alleyways covered in blood and dragging her legs. People believe that if Sister Nugasat comes by, your body goes stiff and you lose the ability to speak. Once she passes, though, control over your body returns. While some insist that it's just a myth, a janitor claimed he saw Sister Nigasat at a hospital he worked at in Bandung. As a new employee, he got to cover the night shift. And one night, he had to clean the morgue when he suddenly got the feeling that somebody was watching him. He continued cleaning in the hallway outside when the electricity suddenly shut off. With no lights, the man, whose name was Budi, started getting scared. Then Budi heard a woman moaning in pain. He tried to distract himself from the noise by playing music with his phone. The last room on his rounds was the operating theater, and Budi entered to start cleaning it. And when he opened a dividing curtain right there under the bed, he saw a pale nurse looking straight up at him. He tried to remain calm, but he dropped his mop and his body froze. The nurse moved on, dragging herself along the floor away from Booty, and she eventually disappeared into the toilet. Why the toilet? I don't know. 
For minutes, Booty couldn't do anything but stare as she made her slow way along the floor. After she was finally out of sight, he could move again, and he immediately packed his things and quit his job the next day. Interesting. I don't know about you, but if I saw that, yeah, I'd probably quit too. <laughs> All right. Our next one is by the name of Ginderu. And it comes from the Kawai word Gandharwa and Sanskrit word of Gandharva, meaning rooted. In Hinduism and Buddhism, Gandharwa is depicted as a man-like creature that lives in the heavens, or Kayangan. In ancient Persia, there is a myth of the Gandharwa, an invisible water creature who tries to consume all good things during creation, until it's defeated by a warrior named Karasaspa. In Java, Gandharva is a celestial being who's good at dancing and singing. So now you know where the words come from. But Ginderawu is mainly known in Java as a genie that takes the shape of an ape. It has a sturdy, big body with reddish-black skin and a thick coat of hair. Hmm. Okay, it sounds like one of my exes. <laughs> I date some really gross-looking people. I don't know what's that about. Anyways, its eyes are red and its teeth are sharp. It can take the shape of a small, hairy creature before expanding itself in an instant. And at night, you can be warned by the smell of baked cassava. If it gets stronger, then the Ginderwu is close. And it likes to stay near big rocks surrounded by water, in old abandoned big buildings, under big trees, or in dark and damp quarters, where it waits to come out at night. Certain places in Java are famous haunts for the Ginderwu, like the Donaloyo Teak Forest at Slokhimo and Lama Pitu at Kulan Progo. I know you guys are really impressed. I tried for like three hours to say that sentence correctly. I just want you to know that. You should also watch out for forest wasp nets, nests because it actually likes to hide in those. As if the wasp weren't bad enough. Now you've got to worry about the Ginderwu. Anyways, the Ginderwu is said to derive from the spirits of people who died violently, either by suicide or accident, and didn't get a proper burial. The spirits are stuck in this world, and those who lived as bad, evil people when they were alive become evil Ginderwus. But those who were kind become good Ginderwus. But most Ginderwus are scoundrels and perverts. They prey on women and children. Meanwhile, kind-hearted Ginderwu often appear as wise old men in a white robe that help people by acts like keeping a sacred area safe from bad people and even helping to circumcise poor boys. Although I'm not sure the poor boys would find that as pleasant. Anyways, if people sleep on the ground near sacred places, it will move them so they wake by a well, a message that they should wash before going to such a holy place. But Ginderwu are very mischievous. They are known for kidnapping upset or anxious people at dusk and carrying them to the top of bamboo groves. 
urinating on passerbys, and giving bladder problems to people who pee on their trees. Once again, sounds like someone I have dated. <laughs> Anyways, a bad Ginderwoo takes the shape of a human and tries to seduce ordinary people. It likes to pat women's butts, stroke their bodies while they sleep, and even move their underwear around. It also likes to throw pebbles at people's houses at night. Okay, seriously, I'm starting to think that I need to check up on one of my exes, because this is sounding like a Ginderwoo. Anyways. If a Ginderwoo takes up residence in a woman's womb, it can make her have a hyper-sex drive and seek multiple sexual partners and as much active sex as she can. The woman's libido is controlled completely by the Ginderwoo, and each time she climaxes, it will as well. Well, at least he waits for her to come first, I guess. It also targets lonely wives or widows, disguising itself as the woman's husband or lover and climbing into her bed. The Ginderwoo gets intoxicated from Gadong, poisonous tubers, so farmers like to leave them out so it won't kidnap them. But if anyone is kidnapped by a Ginderwoo, cooking sticky rice can be a good way to get your kidnapped loved one back. Now, the spirit can also get women pregnant. Iyang Rati from Alas Peru in Bayan Wangai, East Java, says that she has cared for a Genderwu's child, Wagini, for 16 years. In an interview, Iyang Rati describes Wagini as a simple, good, and gentle person. And she says that she found him when he was 13 and she adopted him. So I know you're thinking, you want to meet a Ginderwoo? Let me give you my ex's phone number. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but here's how you do that. A Ginderwoo can be summoned by simply, or summoned simply by grilling saute made with crow meat. Crow is believed to be both Ginderwoo's favorite pet and food. Kind of like chicken for humans. There are certain rituals and spells you need to recite to summon one, and you have to cook in an open space to make sure the aroma reaches a Ginderwoo. The purpose of sum summoning Ginderwoo is mostly for gambling and luck. These demands should be asked quickly before it eats the saute, because after it gets what it wants, well, it's just going to ignore you and go away. So, you know, good luck with that. <laughs> okay. Moving on to another, we have one that is known as Hantu Bunkus, or the Wrapped Ghost in Malaysia, or the Shroud Ghost, but it's mostly known as the Pachong, and it's a ghost of Indonesian origin. The Shroud is a white cloth that was used in Muslim burials to wrap the body of a dead person. The white fabric was tied over the head, under the feet, and on the neck. According to traditions, the soul of a dead person will remain on earth for 40 days after the person has passed away. If the ties aren't released, the corpse would take the form of the ghost we now know as the Pachong. After the ties are finally released, though, the soul will then cross over to the afterlife. The Pachong appearance is dependent on the appearance of the deceased person when they pass away and the state of the corpse's decomposition, because that makes perfect sense. If it had been years since the person was dead, the Pachong will look more skeletal. 
If it was a recent death, the Pachong will look more like their former self. Despite that, they are mostly described as having a pale green, shriveled, and decaying face with two deep, empty holes where their eyes should be. Because the ties haven't been untied from under the feet, the Pachong can't actually move in a standard fashion. Instead, it hops along roads, barreling onward until it encounters some very unlucky person. It's also capable of rolling on the ground, and before you laugh at the ludicrous way in which it does move, consider that a single leap by a Pachong could stretch up to 50 whole meters. 50. Seriously, think about that. Other sources say the original Pachongs can float above the ground. And much like the Nasi Kangkang, which, by the way, don't look it up because it's really gross, there are different versions of Pachongs available. In the Chinese version, the Jiangxi, are also known as the Chinese Hopping Vampire, kills living creatures to absorb their life force at night. Now this happens because the dead body was possessed by the spirit or the soul did not leave the body due to suicide, improper death, or the spirit just wants to cause trouble because, you know, troublemaker and whatnot. Since they are not affected by gravity, they have the ability to teleport. From their final resting place to their former homes, they could be found anywhere. However, the most common place is under a banana tree. Why? Because it's a banana tree. I don't know. It's common to find a small colony of Pachong gathering near or around banana trees. Now in Jakarta, there is a plastic Pachong. They believe that plastic Pachong is based on the true story of a pregnant woman murdered by her boyfriend. When an autopsy was performed on the body, blood flowed endlessly even after the body was sewed shut. Thus, they had to use plastic to cover the body in addition to the traditional shroud before burying her. People believe that plastic pachong exists because it wants to be set free from the plastic cover. One of the most aggressive pachong is the red pachong. It was a vengeful spirit that wishes to seek revenge for a very unpleasant death. Because, of course, the color red represents anger and vengeance that the person felt before they died. And the red pachong is believed to be more likely to attack the living without being provoked. And due to its aggressive behavior, people believe that the red pachong is a leader of some sort. Because, you know, it's king of the pachongs, I guess. And this is going to sound crazy because what doesn't, but folklore has suggested that you could become wealthy if you actually hug a pachong. Supposedly, it's an act of extreme courage, and thereafter, untying the knots, effectively releasing the soul, would cause the spirit to be grateful and bless you with wealth. I don't know about you, but I don't want to find out the answer to this one, but if anybody feels brave enough to hug a pachong, let us know if you get wealthy, okay? All right, now we're moving on to one of the most famous ghosts in Indonesia and happens to be the video that prompted me down this little rabbit hole. And this one is called the Kutilanak or the Sundil Bolong. 
The Kutalanak is often de- depicted on TV and in horror movies. And this one's going to sound familiar. It's a woman, vampire-like demon. The Kutalanak is also known as Pontanak or Puntanak in Malaysia, which is an abbreviation from Parapuan Mati Baranak, or a woman who died while giving birth. And here are all the terrifying facts that you need to know about this horrifying demon. Legend has it that the first sultan of Potinak, Sarif Abraduhumam Al-Qadre, from 1771 to 1808, was haunted by a vengeful Kutalanak. The sultanate was built on the swamps that run along the west coast, the west coast of Kilimanjaro. The word used to describe the Indonesian part of Borneo or the Borneo Island. Thank you. The Sultan ignored the advice of the local Dayak people who warned him that he was building his city in the Kuntalanak's home. And he built the city anyways, because, you know, men and whatnot, and fell victim to this demon. And are you ready for the description of this one? You're going to think it's familiar. Think the ring. Kutilanak is usually portrayed with long black hair covering most of her face, long sharp nails, and a loose white dress. But she only turns into this form when the coffin nail is removed from the back of her neck or head. With the nail in place, she will appear as a charming woman. They say her appearance is accompanied by the smell of frangipani flowers. She's said to have a hollow back, hence her other name, Sundu Belong, which Belong means hollow. The Kutalanak is, isn't always horrifying. She can also look beautiful and attractive when she wants to seduce men. It is said that the Kutalanak got pregnant after she was raped by a local landlord. The landlord then blamed her for the pregnancy, and outraged villagers buried her alive. The Kutalanak seduces and traps men before, you guessed it, eating their genitalia. I'm just going to say, I'm liking her. <laughs> People believe the Kutalanak likes to kidnap babies and raise them as her own child. Babies are not to be left alone, especially in remote areas. I'm just going to say that's good, you know, advice, period. Like, not even for just a Kutalanak. Because, you know, if you're out in the middle of the forest, don't leave your baby alone. Mothers are also told to keep a sharp object near the crib, just in case. The Kutalanak often takes up residence in half-built structures or abandoned homes. Buildings that are empty and quiet at night, such as schools, government bureaus, or old hospitals, are also some of its favorite places. There is apparently one easy way to identify a Kutalanak. She at first will be weeping and sobbing, but slowly, ever so slowly, that cry will turn into a giggle and then a mad, evil laugh. <laughs> People say that the Kutalanak likes the banyan tree, which is often called the Warodoyong. Javanese people tend to cut these trees down to avoid having a Kutalanak make its home there. The demon is also known to occupy banana trees, bamboo trees, or parts of swamps and forest. 
One known way to avoid Kutalanox is by enlisting the help of a dukin or a shaman. The Kutalanox is believed to be the ghost of a deceased pregnant woman who is trapped in an intermediate realm, in a state of accumulating karma to proceed to the afterlife. The dukin will perform exorcism rituals at the grave of the deceased person to avoid them turning into a Kutalanox. And in Thailand, they use an oil extracted from the deceased person's bodily fluids that came from the dripping fat from the chin burnt with candle. I don't know about you, but that is an ultimately perfect horror movie scene to end our episode on. And yes, we have come to the end of the episode. And I thank you for joining me here today, and I hope you enjoy these wonderfully terrifying creatures from Indonesia. Thank you again for that suggestion. I enjoyed looking this up. I do hope that you guys will take some time to reach out to me and tell me what you think about today's episode. You know, you can always reach me and the show at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a suggestion for a future show, you just want to tell me what you think, send me a creepy picture, send me a link to a creepy video, Drop me a line because I do reply to every single email. And on that note, sorry guys, it's all the time I have for you this evening. I thank you so very much for joining me here on Renegade Talk Radio. And you guessed it, don't forget to tune in next time. See you, my heathens. I love you. We don't sugarcoat shit. This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.